You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast with Pastor Daniel Williams as we go through a series called God Redeems, a study through the book of Exodus. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 31. Exodus 31, man, we are continuing our series, God Redeems, and we are in a great section of Scripture tonight. Uh, Specifically, this is the section where uh, God is meeting with Moses, leader of Israel, and this is sort of his second time meeting with Moses on Mount Sinai. Let's jump into some context. I want to read you this verse in Exodus 24, 18. Uh, Moses says, entered the cloud, went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days, 40 nights. This is actually the second major meeting with God that Moses had. Oftentimes we think he was just there forever, but no, he was going up, down, communicating things. The first time, back in Exodus chapter 19, God gave Moses the law, ordinances, the Ten Commandments, rules that would guide the nation so that they would see that they need atonement, that they aren't perfect, that there is a standard and they would need God. And so the first time he went up, God gave him these tablets, gave him these ordinances. He's establishing his covenant, his promise that I'm going to make you a nation. You see, whatever set God says, it goes. He's faithful to his word. And so this is prophecy being fulfilled because God spoke it. And now he's inviting Moses to come back up. And we've been studying this great section of the tabernacle. In these 40 days and 40 nights that Moses has been up in Mount Sinai the second time, God really has been teaching us all about the tabernacle and giving instruction to Moses. Exodus 25 through Exodus 31, what we're going to finish out tonight. About the furnishings and the, the clothes of the priest, establishing sacrificial system. Why? Because God wanted to dwell with his people, and he was showing him not only do they need atonement, but that he gives atonement. That's what's happening. The first time you, you need me, here's the standard, here's the law. You don't, you don't match that standard, that law. You're not perfect. So the second time he meets, he says, now that you know that, I'm going to give you that. I want to meet you in that need. I want to give you that atonement. And he, and he institutes this thing of shedding of blood and forgiving sin and dwelling with people in the tabernacle and, and dwelling with these people. And I think it's important for us as we continue to study Exodus that we don't forget the good news of Jesus, the gospel. That we're sinners that fall short of God's glory, but in his love and his power, he still made a way to atone sin and wants to meet with us. Jesus would come and make a way that we could know him, that we can be redeemed, and that God would dwell with us. And so that's contextually where we're at. If you find yourselves not knowing or forgetting because we've been in these details, Exodus 31 in this last section of scripture uh, is instruction on how to build the tabernacle And one commentator said this about chapter 31. The work of God was to be done by the means, uh, to be done by the means of the Spirit of God. This chapter is all about the work of God, how it was to be done by the means of the Spirit of God. And this is an important reminder for us, as even you've been inspired and heard Sean be called to go and do the work of God. There is a way in which we do things. Right? It's not just all about mission because Jesus said the way that we do it should be loving and it actually should be through his strength, his might. It's relational. There's, there's the means of God's grace that he gives to us that is so important. And God in this chapter is now going to appoint leaders to really 
confirm how he wants to get things done. This stuff that's like, I mean, crazy detailed. I know y'all know this because I talked to you after the service. You're like, wow, I never really studied this way. I just got lost in this detail and this clasp and the wood and the, this. It's like, it's so overwhelming, but it's like Ikea instructions. It doesn't happen at first, but after a few hours of frustration, you finally get it. No, that's not it. Can you imagine as you're reading all this stuff for yourself and the text and how to build this and how to build this, you know what they needed? They needed some craftsmen. Some people gifted by God to do the work, and God's saying, I got you. I got everything you need. I actually have appointed men to build the tabernacle, to build the clothes, and given steward them wisdom and my spirit for my glory because I want to be your God and to dwell with you, and I'm going to establish the tabernacle. The work of God was to be done by the means of the Spirit of God, and this is the principle. This is the work that was important and would have tremendous impact in people's lives. So God makes sure they know how to get it done. Not by their might or their strength, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. And so I'm entitled to this message, work and rest. Work and rest. Because in verses 1 through 12, it talks about the work and who would be called to work. It was the means of God's grace that God would appoint and empower the workers. He's now going to appoint and empower the workers. And in verse 12 through 18, he reminds them that the Sabbath, that this work that they're doing is holy, and he actually gives them a sign of his grace. So the first chapter is the means of his grace, and the second chapter is the sign of his grace, how he wants to use them in the work and the rest. Well, let's get into it. Verse 1 through 11, God's means of grace. If you have a Bible, turn it to Exodus 31. Hopefully you're there. We're going to read uh, this whole section, and then we'll just break it down as always. Let's read this first section and pray and get into it. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel and the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him, Bezalel, uh, with the Spirit of God with ability and intelligence and knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze and in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Ashimach. That's just a hard word to say. I don't even know what it is. Of the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. Verse 7 says the tent of the meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that is on it, all the furnishings of the tent, the tabernacle or the table and its utensils, the pure lampstand with all of its utensils and the altar of the incense and the altar of the burnt offering with all its utensils and the basin and its stand and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest and the garments of his son for their service as priest <sighs> and anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place. According to all that I have commanded you, they shall Dude, do you guys get the sense it's a big job? Like, it's really big. And we've been taking weeks, if not months, studying all of this and the significance of it. And now God is appointing people to actually build it. 
Let's pray and let's ask God to teach us what all this means. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, that we can be your people that truly stick close to your word and have you as a final authority to speak into our lives. We pray, Lord, that we would give you glory in all that we do in our work and in our rest, that we would understand grace even more tonight, that you want to give grace and favor and you're a God of love and you forgive in your mercy. And Lord, we just need you. You don't call us to do great big things and just leave us hanging, but yet you meet us in the midst of our um, dependence. In our insufficiency, Lord, we know that you can be sufficient. I just want to pray for those that are feeling insufficient even now, whether they're hearing later online or through the podcast or even in this room. I know that there are many even in this room that are sick, my daughter included. They need your grace to heal. Lord, there are some that are mourning right now that have received horrible news. They need your grace of healing, your spirit for comfort. Thank you, God, that you're close to the brokenhearted. And we don't have to have our act together, but we can be a people that rely on your grace. And we can rely on your spirit. And we can have ministry flow from these broken vessels of clay. And so as we lean into you tonight, as we hear from your word again, as we study this chapter, would you please grace us? Holy Spirit, speak. Continue to make this a house of prayer, one where we can seek you and pursue you and lift you high and proclaim you, Jesus, and your good news and exalt your name. So I pray that you would do that through me as I share your word and what you've taught me this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Verses 1 through 11, the means of God's grace. God's means of grace. In this section, we see God appoint and empower people to actually start to build the tabernacle. All of this instruction, all of this work. I mean, this is amazing alone that God would even know how to give that instruction and then be like, I know how to match the instruction and the calling with the right people who are able to do this, who can understand what I've said. As many of you know, I am no handyman. I'm just not, just absolutely not. I mean, I am the worst. Thank you, Brian. He said amen. Uh, the church actually makes fun of me, those behind the setup team, especially because, you know, it's like our sixth location in 10 years. Uh, everywhere we go, though, you know what I rely on? Velcro. You may not know that about me. I'm a Velcro-loving man, okay? It's amazing. You don't got to know any drill bits, any, any screws, anything. You just put some Velcro on the back of that thing, tape that bad boy, you're done. It's good. Or, second option, still awesome, more popular, though, amongst, you know, the millennials and all that such, duct tape, hello, classic, Okay? Like, you give me some duct tape, some Velcro, bro, I got you. I can do this. Even in my guitar bag, I got duct tape. Like, it's awesome. Like, we're, we're ready. We're go. Um, those are my construction skills. But there's no amount of Velcro, duct tape, or whatever skill that I have that I can come and read this text and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, no, no, for sure. And then that's how you're going to build the tools and the vessel and the bronze. And the, oh, okay, I got that. I got that. No. And it's a silly example, but I want you to think about practically what if that was your job? 
I know that some of you are handy, but I don't think you're handy like this. Like, get the fine stones and the artistic uh, veil and, you know, sew angels and cherubim and then dealing with, uh, you know, bronze and silver and metals, but then fabric and all these colors. And like, the job was so overwhelming, they needed skilled leadership in this moment. And God said, I got you. I understand it's a big job. And I've called out people to do this work. You know, God calls us to do good works. Before the foundation of the earth, he predestined us to do good works. And your skill may be different than other people's skills, but God has a place for all of us together. I'm no handyman. That's okay. Neither was Moses, because God didn't pick Moses. This is what's happening. God, in his grace, says to Moses, I have the people to accomplish the task. And he calls out these two guys by name. And then in verse 6, he says, and able men, a team around them to make the tabernacle. Now, these two names, forgive me if I don't get the names right, but I am just going to guess as best as I can. And help me, Lord, in phonics, please help. Uh, Bel, Bezalel, Bezalel and Oholiab. Oholiab, I know, because it's like a Oholiab, Right? <laughs> Been listening to that ESV Bible, the over. How do you say that? How do you say that? Okay. Uh, Bezalel, there's so many B names in the Bible, but Bezalel is what I'm going to say. Oholiab, these were two guys that God specifically wanted to lead together this great project and this construction work. It's interesting how God is always calling team and leaders and people, and He's calling these two guys. Now, what I find interesting is the first thing that God does when wanting to get the job done is he appoints leaders. He appoints leaders. So often in our culture, leadership is looked upon as a bad thing. Well, you know what they say, power corrupts. Or, you know, I mean, submitting, following, no thank you. Like, we, aren't we all the same? We all have influence. No, bro, leadership matters. And God actually appointed leaders for this great task to lead a team. There is unity, there is gifting, there is skill set. God thinks leadership is a good thing. He appointed Moses and Aaron to lead the people out of Egypt. We already know Jethro, taking his advice, Moses appointed different elders of Israel, and Moses wasn't leading the nation alone. He had help and leadership and structure. That's what leadership does. It, it brings structure. It brings order. In fact, even in the church today, in Titus chapter 1, verse 6, Paul told Titus, hey, go back to creed and appoint elders and structure and bring that order to the church. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul told Timothy, if you inspire or anyone inspires or has a desire to have the office of an overseer, that would be another word for elder or leader, he desires a noble thing. It's a good thing to want to lead, to want to make a difference. I wrote this down. You see, the problem isn't leadership, but how people use leadership. The problem isn't leadership. The Bible says leadership is a gift, but what happens when sinners are leaders? Yeah, it gets messed up. It gets sloppy. It gets jacked up. Because when you rule out of the flesh, the Bible says there will be corruption, but the Bible also says that we can rule and live by the Spirit and we can bear good life. 
This is why Jesus told his apostles, a.k.a. leaders, the 12, as he was discipling them in Matthew 20, verse 20, 25 through 28, he says, Well, you know the rulers of the Gentiles? They lord it over you, their authority, and, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever who be great among you must first be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but as to serve to give his life as a ransom for many. Even Jesus, our Lord, says that leaders should be servants like him, and they can actually have great benefit to a community, to a people, and even right now to a nation in this text. I mean, I don't know about you, but aren't you grateful for how Jesus has led? One of the only ways he defined himself is being humble and meek. And the crazy thing is meek is a controlled power. He had all the power in the world, but he used that authority and power to what? Bless and to serve us. He laid down his life for us and served us and used his leadership, his power to free us, to redeem us. He is the greatest leader. And he says, as a Christian, you follow me and my example. This is why the New Testament gives qualifications for godly leaders. Like in Titus 1. Don't just pick people, but pick people that do this. Or 1 Timothy chapter 3. You're not only inspired to be a leader, but then you have to have qualifications of a leader. And it goes on to give those qualifications of 1 Timothy chapter 3. And you know what they are? They're character traits. Character traits of Christ. There's not, it's not a whole bunch of skill set. It's actually, hey, be like Jesus. Lead like Jesus. Be loving. Be humble. God was appointing these men as a gift to the nation, and God still appoints people to lead by his grace to bless people. And when you are led by godly leadership, it is truly a blessing, isn't it? It really does affect communities and affect nations and affect lives. But there was something special about these men, this characteristic that comes by dependence and the grace of God, the means of God, His Spirit. Look at me in verse. Look with me in verse three through five. It says that, and I have filled him. This is speaking of uh, Bezalel. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs and to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting stones for setting and carving wood to work in every craft. It says that Bezalel was filled with the Spirit. God not only called this man and these men and these leaders, but he empowered them through his Spirit. This would be another means of grace from God for this leader with his spirit to do this great task. And this isn't the only time that the Bible talks about the empowering or filling of the Holy Spirit in the Bible or even in the Old Testament. In fact, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, we have other characters like Joseph who is known to be filled with the Spirit or like Joshua. You see, just Moses and Aaron, just as Moses and Aaron were called to lead Israel and empowered by God, so were Bezalel and Oholiab to lead this way and be empowered by God. I was reading one commentary, David Guzik. He said this, 
God supernaturally enabled Beziel to do the work of building the tabernacle. God saw this work just as special and just as dependent on the Holy Spirit's power as the work of Moses and Aaron. Verses 7 through 11, we joke around a lot because it is a lot. It's the long list of the work. You ever had that moment where you realize, oh my gosh, the work is endless. It's the long to-do list. How am I ever going to get this vision done or something God's called me to? But yet, verses 3 through 5 are the key. God filled him with his spirit, which gave him ability and intelligence and knowledge to do this work. When God called him, he empowered him. And when God calls us, he empowers us. I think too often when we think of the filling of the Spirit, we think that it has to look a certain way. Because in the book of Acts, it's repeated over and over again, this phrase, being filled with the Spirit. And what you see is when the disciples in the first century church, when they were filled with the Spirit, there was a few signs to follow. People spoke in tongues and they prophesied. And so we we may think that, well, if I'm going to be powered by God, it has to follow certain gifts. Like maybe... Maybe the person that like, can heal is filled with the Spirit. Or maybe the person that can prophesy or speak in tongues. Or, or of course, the preacher. Yeah, he has God's Spirit. But like the things that God's called me to do, I don't really see it all that special. But isn't a mom a great calling? Isn't like just simply being a friend, like we talked about the men's night, to be a friend and loving, isn't that a great calling of God? Why do we think we don't need the Spirit's work to do those things as well? Like, he got filled with the Spirit and it said to be a craftsman. You ever think about a journeyman craftsman, a construction worker on the side of the road, making you stop, making you go? His dependence on needing the Spirit of God because he wants to be a dad to provide for his family and he can't do it in his own strength? Why do we not think like this? Biblically, we know that there are multiple manifestations of the Spirit And all of them are from the same Lord. They're from the same Lord. Like things that we don't think about, like administration, teaching, making phone calls, being a connector, acts of mercy. In fact, Bezalel and Oholiab, they weren't the only ones that were filled with this spirit to do sort of normal gifts and abilities. It says that there were other able men. And in the Old Testament, like I said, Genesis chapter 41, 38, Joseph, it talks about, was filled with the Spirit to a great accomplishment and work and God's plan. Or Moses' successor, Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, Joshua was told, hey, be strong and courageous, I'll be with you. He was filled with the Spirit of God to do the work of God. And we see this over and over again played out. There's a guy in 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 14. He was a worker of bronze as well. And when Solomon got called to build the temple, a permanent resident or tabernacle of what we're reading about and have been studying, in 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 14, it says that um, Hiram from Tyre, he was full of wisdom and understanding, skilled for making any work in bronze. So you know what he did when Solomon had that great call? He wasn't the king. He was just a guy. And he said, I'm going to go to Solomon. And I'm going to say, this is the special gift I have. Can God use that? And God did use him to build the temple. See, oftentimes we just think of like great prophets, like 
It's true. Micah. Micah 3.8 says that Micah was filled with the Spirit to declare God's work forcefully and effectively to the people. But so was the prophet Daniel. And he didn't have a great preaching ministry. He used that to be in a secular culture in the nation of Babylon and stand up for righteousness and actually be a light in a very dark place. God gave Daniel the prophet the spirit of wisdom and understanding and he interpreted dreams. He lived for God as an exile. And in fact, Daniel chapter 5, verse 14, King Belshazzar, I told you there's a lot of B words in the Bible. Guys, people like Belshazzar and Baal and all these Bs, you know, it's just a little confusing. But there was this king and he told Daniel when he, when he got him and he had this dream, he said, I have heard of you that the spirit of God's is in you and that the light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. We constantly see throughout the Bible God filling his people with his spirit and manifestations or gifts just look differently. And here in Exodus 31, God filled these guys with the spirit. And I love this in verse 4. Chrissy, you're going to love this. For artistic designs. Remember that passage when it's like, just build the curtains and just let them just do their thing. God filled this man with the Holy Spirit to just create beauty. Art. Like, that's just amazing. Have you ever thought about that? That God just is a beautiful God and we're made in His image? And even in creation, there was some stone there, but He didn't actually make anything out of it he just left it so we could mine it so we can create so we can craft and yet by his grace and by his mercy he gives all these types of gifts to do all these types of works we don't need to put god in a box of what he's just going to do or you know i need to be you know and just an usher or setup team or no we serve god in so many different ways we're christians 24 7 and we need god's spirit First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, To each one is given the manifestations of the Spirit for the common good. God gives His grace to us for the common good. And God gives different gifts to accomplish His different callings, but it is one Spirit, all by God's grace. And this is maybe why Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 says this, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy, then in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching and the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Man, it is a blessing when you get a group of believers that are different than you and they are just exercising their gifts. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I was so blessed by last night having a house full of people that I didn't have to clean my house for. It was awesome. Pray for Christina because I know she had to clean it afterwards. You know what I'm saying? But Christian, he's texting people, calling people. People are like, hey, what time is this? What, what do I need to do? Who do I need to pay? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know any details, man. Like, I'm just going to show up. It's not my thing. Like, I wasn't doing it. Like, I, I taught like seven Bible studies this week. Like, I've done so much different things. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. But Christian knew. Carrie knew as he's sweating out and just, God bless him, just making those burgers and doing his thing. Like he had a different gift than I did and I just was able to just hang out, talk. Had a great time, it was sweet. 
But I mean, just think about our church, like how we have people interested in serving and tearing down and setting up and uh, admin and all this different stuff. Like it is such a blessing when you get a group of people that are living for Jesus in community. The Bible says we can do all things in Christ who strengthens us, but in everything that we do, we can do it for the Lord as worship. You, you can worship God through your work, Colossians 3.17 says. And in order to do the things God has called you to do, whatever the gifts and skills and ability and talent and what you think he's saying, you still need his spirit. Just like I need his spirit and ask, God, would you speak through me tonight? Would you help me in my study? That as I pastor and I lead spiritually, I need you, God. Well, everyone needs God. We need the spirit to obey God and to empower us in the things that he's uniquely called all of us to do. And we're better together. This is why we have a culture, not just with missionaries and churches, but even in our church, the people of God, the royal priesthood, where we learned about. We all have a part to play. I love what Tony Murta said in his commentary of Exodus. In this section, he said, Never stop thanking God for the Spirit's work. Never stop relying on the Spirit's work. Do not become a mechanical Christian. That is just going through the motions serving in the energy of the flesh. No, we need the Spirit of God to do the work of God. And so the New Testament tells us, so you be filled and continually being filled, not drunk, which is debauchery, being filled with wine, but man, be filled with the Spirit. And Jesus tells his disciples before they do this mission in Acts 1.8, hey, wait, so you can be filled with the Spirit. Jesus tells us simply to ask to be filled by the Holy Spirit and to receive this means of grace for help. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I love that these two leaders, man, they weren't the only ones filled and empowered, but verse 6 says, all of them. I have given to all able men the ability that have made, uh, that make, um, I can make all that I have commanded. God wants all of his people to be filled with his spirit. And oftentimes we just forget about it and we don't even respond to it. Now listen, that was the first half of the message. You guys follow me? Here's what I want to do though. I want to apply this right now. Because maybe as I'm speaking about this, you've either never been filled or you need a fresh filling of God's spirit. Maybe you've been trying to do things on your own strength. We don't need an emotional song. We don't need any background music. You know what Jesus just told us? We can ask for the Holy Spirit and he'll give us liberally his grace. You, you found salvation through grace. You can live your salvation and calling through grace. And if you need God's spirit and you want, man, you just, as you're just something in your heart is just being prompted like, yes, God, I just need you more. I just need a fresh powering. Uh, I, just, I just need to receive your spirit. God, I want to ask. I want to ask you to stand up right now if you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If that is you, I'm going to do a preaching pause right now. I'm going to let you respond because guess what? This isn't just a service. We're actually meeting with God. And I just feel like a lot of people, they they walk the Christian life. They get too mechanical. It's just a service. They go in and out, whatever. And we, guys, we're, we're meeting with the living God. And you may have been called to do great things. And just as I pray with Pastor Sean here, he needs the Spirit of God. I need the Spirit of God. So do you. If that's you, would you just stand right now? I don't want to embarrass you, but I do want you to stand and make a public profession. You need to be pinning on God. 
Is there anyone else that needs just the Holy Spirit to fill them afresh? In this moment, we can depend on God and we can be dependent on Him and just ask. Jesus, you know that we're here. We need you. We're standing. God, fill us afresh. Help us to have clarity in our calling. But yet, help us to have clarity in the good news of the gospel that you come close to those who ask. That the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is applied to us, Lord, because all spiritual blessings are in you, Christ. So Jesus, by your name and by your word right here, we ask for a fresh filling of your spirit that you would empower us, that you would encourage us to continue to do the things God's called us to do. We love you, Lord. You're not cruel. You give strength and empower. So would you do that? Would you continue to give gifts to the body? Would you continue to give us strength to do these things? It could feel overwhelming like in a big exhaustive thing, but Lord, we know that we are loved by you and just like we love our children, even though being evil, we know you love us even more. You are for us, not against us. So fill us afresh to walk in newness of life and to live for you. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Transitional verse, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11. So as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's variety of grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks ordinance of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Now to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. God in this first section appoints and empowers the workers and he empowers us. This is a means of his grace. And in the second section, 12 through 8, God reminds them the Sabbath Reminds them of the Sabbath that this work that they're doing is holy, that it's special, and it's a sign of His grace, a sign of His grace. Read with me chapters, or verses 12 through 18. We'll finish out the chapter. And the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you and throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Now six days you shall work, uh, shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. For it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he, speaking of God, gave to Moses when he had finished Speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of testimony and the tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Man, I got to go quick. God now in the midst of just telling them to work this important task, this long task, this to-do task. It's just, it's overwhelming. Chapters 24 through 31, all these details then says, now keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. Build this great thing. Have an important task. But Sabbath, Shabbat, it literally means to stop. 
to rest, to delight or worship. I like Pete Scazzaro's definition in his book, Emotionally Healthy Leader, which I've adapted. He says that a Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. Obviously, this is very strategic in his articulation of it, but he's literally saying to Sabbath is to stop work, to rest, to delight in God's grace, to worship Him. And this is a means of God's grace as well. And this is the sign of God's grace that you can embrace. Sabbath tells us to stop work and delight in God's grace, and it's actually a command to help us to refresh us, verse 17 says. As God rested, he was refreshed, and God wants us to be refreshed and rested while we work. To trust him in empowering of the Spirit to do the work, but to trust him to stop and to know that he does the work. It's so important that God tells them in this section that he established it in the fabric of our creation. And he doesn't go back to the law, which is actually mentioned in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 19, 8 through 11. But he goes back to Genesis in the story and says, God himself practiced the seventh day, a Sabbath, as an example for us, so we would know what rest and refreshment is truly like. You see, God in his wisdom knows something about us and our tendency to misplace our own strength and our own ability into the work that we do. And our tendency to misplace our identity in the work that we do. It's so appropriate and kind right now as we just finish this whole section about work for God to bring up rest again. Like we've actually studied on the Sabbath and these days and how it implemented it and just all these things with the manna and in the Ten Commandments. But right after the people got this great call to do work, he then says, but also rest. Because he knows the great temptation we have to overwork and to rely on our own abilities to accomplish tasks. This is why he's giving you cues and saying, listen, you need to be filled with the Spirit and rely on me, but you need to rest and delight in me as well and rely on me. Now, you never may say this, but when we practice, when we practice, um, when we don't practice the Sabbath and we just work, 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 we actually are saying we're important and we're like God. We're made in the image of God, so we're made to create, but God even rested and told us to do. But we sometimes can freak out and we can work so hard 24-7, even in the name of God and things of God. But the reality is, is when we do this and don't practice Sabbath, we got some control issues. We got some submissive issues. We, we think that it all relies on us. And we can actually start spinning our wheels, pretending as if the work is relying on us, even though God gave us the means of his spirit to do the work. In all practicality, we say, well, it's just all about us. Because if I stop, what will happen? I think God will still be God. I think God will still do the work. And I think God knows this and has to tell us, some of us type A workaholics, I mean, no one in, in this room besides me I could blame, but he has to say, no, nah, bro, you ain't God. Maybe we're not building the tabernacle. But we are building lives and things that God's called us to, like working a working dad to provide for his family is a good calling. But have you ever seen that twisted and the dad work too much? 
Or maybe a mom always doing housework and never taking a day off, always grinding and just never resting and never worshiping God. I get people all the time, I'm too busy to come to church, man. Bro, you're too busy not to follow God. You're too busy not to rely on the Spirit of God and to worship Him and to know Him in this way and to rest in Him. The, the intention may be good, but slowly and surely these things can become idols in our heart and we can actually start relying on our own efforts and ourselves too much, pretending as if it was all up to us and we were God. But we're not. This is why Pete Scazzaro in that book continues to go on in that chapter about Sabbath and he says, Work requires something of us. It depletes our energy, our wisdom, our, our reserves. If we don't allow our soil of souls to rest, we do violence to ourselves. Have you ever thought, if you're not trusting God in something he's told you to do, that you were doing violence to your soul? That it's a crime against your own soul. It's, it's self-hurt. Pete Cazero isn't the only leader or person about this idea of the Sabbath. Another book that I read, Pastor Wayne Cadero, in his book, Leading on Empty, he says, life doesn't work when you are constantly busy. Over time, our spiritual and emotional reserves get depleted, and when we are depleted, we lose our way. He also says in that book, too much noise and too much activity can be toxic to our soul. It's like godly leaders that have gone before us even now in this century that have fought against this fabric of creation and resting in Christ. Man, they've been hurt by it. We can glean from them in their wisdom. The Bible says that you need rest. I need rest. I always tell people, don't, don't like halt. Don't make a decision if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Halt. Stop. Sometimes you only need to pray about it. You need to take a nap. You ever been there where you can't even think? You're so tired or you're, you're, you're hangry because you're hungry so much? Don't forget you are spiritual, but you are physical, and God made both, and he will give you a physical resurrection body. He knows the fabric of creation. He is our creator. This is why even our bodies at nighttime, what do we need to do? Sleep. God actually, in our everyday life, we are so accustomed to it, he embedded a, a thing in our life where we close our eyes and are literally depending on him to breathe every single 24 hours a day. But just as we sleep, the Bible says we need a Sabbath. And the Bible tells the new covenant that we need Jesus as our Sabbath rest, trusting that he is God and we are not. You know, Mother Teresa, she said, to keep a lamp burning, we have to keep putting oil in it. To keep a lamp burning, you've got to keep on putting oil in it. And the practice of a Sabbath allows me to have a weekly rhythm to do this, to stop work, to rest in God. I am not. To delight in His grace. He's given me a family. He's given me taste buds. He's given me gifts. I live in South Florida. It's beautiful here. All this is God's grace to enjoy, to praise Him. And I need to worship Jesus, not just do things for Jesus. Sabbath. It's very practical, but it's very impactful, and it goes against everything our culture says. Our culture says if you do more, you'll be valued more. But not God. He's like, y'all should take a nap. Rest. Eat some grapes, man. They're awesome. I made a lot of varieties of them. I even fermented that thing, made some wine, man. Just enjoy your life a little bit. 
Like we can laugh, we can have some joy. It's not all up to us. And it goes against everything because the world says, if you do this, you'll get this. God's like, you do this, you get in hell. Damnation, you're a sinner. You need my mercy and grace. Ain't nothing you could do. I love you regardless. I want to give you grace. Here's a sign. Enjoy. Delight in grace. Delight in the Sabbath. You know, another book by Walter Burgum in his book, Sabbath as Resistance, saying no to the culture of now, he says, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. You just do. I found this to be true in my life, that when I'm regularly and intentionally worshiping Jesus on my Sabbath, it affects my whole week. It truly impacts my life. Maybe this is why Wayne Curado in his book continues on and says, living well must become intentional in Sabbaths and sabbaticals. They're biblical design to increase our faithfulness and deepen our faith along the way. Not practicing a Sabbath and continuing to work, it not only depletes our energy, but it also tricks our souls thinking that, thinking that we don't need God and, and thinking that we are God and we start to lose our identity in what God says about us. Because if my identity is all that I do and all that I am and all that I work, I start forgetting what, who God says I am. That I'm just a beloved child of God. That I don't need to earn His love. That He cares for me unconditionally. Despite what I do, He's forgiven me. You see this biblically even in the New Testament. These two characters, Martha and Mary in Luke chapter 10. Martha was so caught up in doing and doing and doing. Like she was literally had Jesus in her home and she missed it. Because she was trying to work, 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 work. And getting mad at Mary for just sitting at Jesus' feet. Worshipping. Have you ever done so much and been so busy for the Lord that you forgot God? I know I have. God's like, look, you're not superhero, man. You're not the Messiah. You're not Savior. We need to take time to contemplate God's goodness and what he has said and in his word to us, just like Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. We need to remind you that in Christ, every spiritual blessing is already ours. And we need to take time to remember all of the beautiful, awesome truths that Christ says. This is why on our Sabbath rhythm or in our gathering rhythm every seven days, a little unconventional, we meet on Sunday nights. But what are we doing? What are these practices? Why are we singing, studying the Word, praying together? We are practicing these spiritual disciplines to remind ourselves there is grace in this place. We take communion because Jesus said, as often as you gather, remember grace. It's important for your soul. Don't do violence to it. God reminds them not to only work, but to rest, to practice the Sabbath. And rest and worship is an amazing rhythm that God has given us. And when you do that, you start seeing that this is special to go to God. And he says in this text, it is a sign of his grace. As you trust God by practicing the Sabbath, it's an outward sign to us and the world that God is gracious, that we don't have to work for rest, but we are just to receive by His grace just as we receive the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I think one of the best ways you can witness to the world is actually be have your identity in Christ and rest in Him. As you Think about it. As you have loved Jesus, as you have worshipped Jesus, as you have served Jesus, have you found life to be different? Ministry is an overflow of your heart 
and you're drinking from living water and you're experiencing him and, and being transformed and other people are noticing that? Why do we get so complicated in these things? A devoted follower of Jesus that continually abides in Christ, he promises will bear fruit. So why don't we just make it a priority and trust that we can actually take a day off and worship God? Because he's worth it. And so we see this beautiful balance of, man, work, yes, and we need the means of grace and God in that, but, but yet we can rest in Christ because he is our Sabbath rest. He is the one that we can worship and delight in and, and have this beautiful balance of work and rest. And, and God tells Moses, the people need this. They need both. So in verse 18, God gave to Moses two tablets of stone, all that he said. It says it was written with the finger of God. People say, well, why didn't God speak to me? I wish God would tell me some things. This is why we study Scripture. He has. The Holy Spirit has inspired Scripture to speak to us. He wrote things down for us, and He spoke it, and we can trust in His Word. And we can listen and hear His voice. Well, to close, I just have this statement. Thinking about this chapter and processing it for myself, I wrote down, work and rest are great gifts. Grace, right? But they're horrible saviors. Work and rest are great gifts, and it is of God's grace that he gives these things to us, a grand purpose and a calling and rest and his spirit, but they're, they're horrible saviors. The question is, where do we find our identity, our value, and our rest in? Because only Jesus can really truly fulfill us. No amount of accomplishment or work and no amount of pleasure or rest can satisfy you. And oftentimes we get really too lazy and just want to veg out and be on Instagram and go on vacation all the time or we want to overwork and do this. There is a balance and God gives both of these things for gifts, but they're not intended to be saviors that satisfy. Only God truly satisfies us and he wants us to enjoy his grace and work and rest and not make them idols. Psalm 145, 16 through 19 says, You have opened your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him in truth, and he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Let, let's remember the truth once again that we can turn to the Lord, that he satisfies you remember the Israelites like they were slaves and now they're free. And in their freedom, God wanted to meet with them. We were slaves of sin and, and now we're free. And in our freedom, we're not to abuse grace, but we're to meet with God. And so he wants to meet with us. He loves us. He cares for us. God gave us life through his son that we can receive life in his son. And he tells us to remember this means of grace and a sign of grace and partake in communion. And so that's what we're going to do. Sean, if you want to come up, we're going to have Sean and Walker lead us just in one more song. And as we do, we're going to put the elements of communion in the back. And we're going to remember that, man, God does love us unconditionally. And you know, the Bible says he demonstrated his love for us on the cross. And he showed us that he is trustworthy to be our God. It's, it's pretty amazing that God can actually use his power to serve us and to love us and to bless us. And all we got to do is receive. 
And so he says, when we gather together, just remember his grace. Remember my mercy. Remember that I shed my blood for you. Just as we close out this section, yes, the first section was all about the holiness of God and the standard. We need atonement. But as we close out this section and thinking about the tabernacle, God met with broken people and can atone for sin. And he wants to atone for your sin. If you find shame and condemnation, you can actually go to God and ask him for forgiveness. And he meets us and he satisfies us. But we have to go to him and turn to him. And so we're going to do that now as communion. We're going to examine our hearts as Pastor Sean leads us in a song of worship. We'll take the, take the elements, bring them back to your seat by faith, and then we'll just close out leading in communion. Jesus, we thank you so much for how you minister and how you speak. Wow, today was, tonight was a lot. Study of your word, worship, uh, new ministries happening. Uh, sometimes life can feel overwhelming. It could be a lot. But Lord, we thank you that we can respond to what your word has said that you love us and you demonstrate that love for us on the cross. And so we want, Lord, to partake in this sacrament of communion, accepting your love and free gift of salvation, identifying our lives in you, Christ. For in you, Jesus, all spiritual blessings are found. Forgiveness is already ours. We just simply have to come and confess. And you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so we come now as your people, a community of sinners saved by your grace, saying, Lord, we need you. We need you to be our rest. We need you to do the work that only you can do. We need to, we need to rest and Sabbath in you, Lord. And so would you satisfy our souls as we come to you once again and ask God for you to fill us afresh with your strength, your power, your love. We thank you that these things are the fruit of the Spirit, abiding in you and your spirit. Continue to lead us, Lord, and let us respond appropriately. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Williams at Redemption Church in Delray Beach. Thank you so much for listening to that message. We pray it was an encouragement. It was a blessing to you as we love to pursue and to proclaim Jesus together. And so no matter where you're listening, whether it be YouTube or our podcast, you can go to more resources at redemptiondb.com and even partner with us in ministry to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. God bless you. And thank you so much for listening.